Hey, my name is Akash Thakar, and this is Sound Business. This is the podcast where we dive into the mindsets and methods of some of the top musicians, sound designers, or audio creators in the world. We're going to interview everyone from plugin makers, performing musicians, video game composers, and everything in between, and learn how they run a successful business and how they're making a killer living in the worlds of music and sound. My hope with this podcast is that you can be exposed to the many myriad different ways there are to make a killer living in the worlds of music and sound, and help you realize that there's no one right way to get to the top. And with that, let's get into the episode. Today on the show, we have Melissa Pons, who is a sound designer and also a field recordist. Now, Melissa records nature from all over the world, and she's probably most notably known for recording the sound of wolves. Yes, wolves. And she even releases her albums of her recordings on Bandcamp for people to just listen to and enjoy. And even though you may think these are just nature recordings, they still tell a story and still have a very strong kind of narrative throughout. They're absolutely stunning and super beautiful. And her most recent album is a series of tropical forest recordings called Mata Atlantica, where she went to the tropical forests of Sao Paulo, Brazil, and recorded for days and days and days, getting tons of gorgeous, gorgeous material. In this episode, we go into all sorts of things from staying creative, working with clients, both good and bad, being balanced, and the mindsets and processes around her work as a field recordist and an audio creative. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Melissa Pons. I am curious, if someone you don't know and isn't in sound at all, doesn't know anything about sound, asks you the very American question of, so what do you do? How do you respond? What is it that you tell them to make it so that they understand exactly what you do when they know nothing about sound, music, film, anything like that? Okay. Uh, I will tell them that I am a field recordist and an audio editor. And if they don't really know what a field recordist is, which a lot of people rightfully so don't know, um, I will tell that person that I record soundscapes and that I'm more focused in nature at the moment. The, sometimes I say that the same way people really like to take pictures, I really like to take sounds. I think that's a good way of, uh, you know, putting it. And I think it's okay for people to understand it. So, yeah. Okay. And then from there, if this hypothetical person asks, why? <laughs> why are you going out there and recording nature? I love it. <laughs> I really love it. I just, it's my, it's my thing. <laughs> what do you feel when you're out there then? Like what thoughts, if any, are coming up when you're out there recording? It's very interesting because I'm quite restless. Uh, I'm very agitated. I have trouble being still and my mind is the same. It's racing a lot and I'm always thinking a lot, several things at the same time. Every circumstance, like since I'm waking up until I go to sleep. So it's like... I'm trying to refrain to use these terms because they become so trendy and so shallow now, but I think with field recording, it's like my mindfulness moment. So when I'm into it, it's I'm really just there. I really don't think about anything else. I don't have worries and I really enjoy it. And it's definitely the only thing that gives me that nothing else. And I like other activities, of course, like I love eating and cooking, but it's... <laughs> 
but with field recording, it's and also when I'm preparing something with field recording, like for example, yesterday I was counting here in the area where I am. Uh, so I didn't take any equipment, so I just took a really long walk and I went to a place that I haven't been before. I just have like my my phone that I'm taking like coordinates and uh, pictures, maybe a video. If I think it's uh, cool, I'm trying to do that a bit more now, and my notebook. And I just go with it and I really like to stop at a, a given place because I also feel that when I'm moving, like my sound of moving and clothes and so make so much noise that I think it's uh, really hard to understand. So sometimes I just stop and I try to understand what's going on and I'm just in it. And then eventually I might like sit down and take some notes, uh, not only about the sound, but some impressions that I have about the place. And uh, sometimes it goes like a little poetic or whatever. But <laughs> So even that, like I'm not actively recording, but that really puts me in, in, into the moment. And it's uh, I really enjoy it. It's like I've been in such a good mood since yesterday because of that. And then today I was recording at this place that I, that I was. Well, not at the place that I found the wild boar, uh, because, you know, but uh, a little bit further. <laughs> So I'm curious, then, what were you recording today and yesterday? Uh, so this place, it's it's uh, very, very special because uh, it's uh, very sparsely populated. So it's a very rural area and people rely a lot on nature. Like a lot of people have uh, like backyards and sort of like farms where they plant lots of vegetables. They have animals that they might eat or not. So it's a lot of the area has that but there's a huge area where it's just uh, uh, they have a kind of pine tree and they have the uh, oak tree as well it's very typical here and a lot of like reeds and now it's spring so it's filled with flowers yellow and purple and so beautiful and like the reeds are really tall like like 120 or something like that so i just go in and and there's loads of birds, like uh, marine birds. Uh, there's foxes. There's the boars that I found one yesterday. <laughs> and uh, it's also very special because uh, there was a big dam that was open here uh, some years ago. I, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, I, um, something like that. And uh, it, it floated a big, big area. So there's a lot of stuff that is uh, submerged. Like there's bridges that have been submerged, uh, villages. But nowadays it's the biggest uh, artificial lake in Europe. And so it brought also like more animals and like it's more humid because typically this is very, very dry. Like so the summer, the temperatures can go from like 40, 45 Celsius sometimes. It's really, really hot. And the landscape, as I can tell, because I haven't been in the summer. It's the first time I'm here. But in the summer, everything gets like yellow because it dries so much. Uh, so I notice people really have a good um, relationship with rain, like they're happy when it rains and they're like looking at the clouds. It's very beautiful. It has the most beautiful clouds I've ever seen in my life. It's just like, like you know, uh, Windows uh, desktop background all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful and I'm just like, I can't have enough of it. And uh, the lake also has like a lot of, uh, I don't know how to say, but it's like a, a kind of a serpent and has like all these spaces. And then it's just like these hills. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. And I went really early this morning around 6 a.m. And there was like this mist coming from the lake, just like moving very slowly. And I was just like almost tears in my eyes because it was really, really, really beautiful. Very, very quiet. But then just loads of birds everywhere. 
it's really amazing. So yesterday I was scouting around that area. First I went up to a hill and then I saw some pine trees. Uh, the ones they have here, I don't know what, which would be the translation, but they are not very tall. They're like round and, and very short. And I saw a lot of uh, roots that were lifted and like kind of a mess around. And I thought, I think this is boars. Like I was taught in Sweden that this is what they do. And then I was sitting down, very smart of me, <laughs> next to a tree, like starting to write some notes. And I hear like branches cracking from uh, some distance. And then just like <laughs> this sound. And like, yeah, I just, you know, like when something crosses your mind, but you don't really put a thought into it, kind of. And then I start to hear like the boar sounds, like pig sounds. <laughs> and then I just hear like very, very fast coming in. And then I just turn like very quickly because I like I got a little scared. And then as I turned, I saw a big boar just also like got really scared and like did this horrible sound and just like turned back and went down like really clumsy, like. <laughs> and I was just like, hope you don't fall into the water. <laughs> So I know I have to be a bit careful with that. Uh, that maybe has been a little bit irresponsible of me because now there's moms with their little piglets and, you know, of course they get a little bit more defensive. Thankfully everything was okay. I don't think there's like problems. They destroy like vegetables and uh, stuff that people are growing here. But today I went a bit uh, down to the lake, just sat there for like two hours and um it's just like a lot of birds and like the landscape was so beautiful i took lots of pictures it was incredible i'm so happy <laughs> it clearly i love hearing how excited <gasps> you are it's so obvious like how excited you are about it and that's so awesome to see it's so good and there's an interesting part you mentioned you know like what you do is kind of like photography you're out there you're capturing you're doing that sort of thing and there's an interesting thing with photography and probably similar to you where you have to be kind of at the right place at the right time. Because if, if you had come, you know, one minute later, maybe the boar wouldn't be there or maybe they would have just walked on or things like that. And what people listening to this won't necessarily know just by hearing, but this is like our second version of, of doing this because the first one had a glitch. And there's something to be said about the ephemeral nature of this audio work. Like if you're not there at the right time or if you miss something or whatever, that moment could be gone. That sound could never, maybe never be captured again, or maybe you miss something or something like that. Do you have any processes in place to make sure you don't miss certain things at certain times? Like, do you set up mics ahead of time, hit record, and then leave for a day? Like, what sorts of things do you do to make sure that you are getting as much as you can without missing out? Yeah, I do that. I set the microphones to a certain place and then I leave them for hours, sometimes during the night, and then I go back and pick it up later or in the morning. Uh, that's one thing that I do. I do that very typically if I'm just on uh, for, for a short time in a place. Uh, because I'm staying here hopefully for like the whole summer. I've been here for a month already. I have been very patient in like scouting and not really worried that I'm missing out on, on something. And I know that I will always miss out. Uh, so I just, I accept it really well. Because I know there's also be a, other opportunities. And something else, it's uh, when we are in a given place, we might be interfering in a way that probably a lot of animals won't go to that place because they also see or smell or sense uh, in whatever way they do and try to go away. So, for example, yesterday I was in this place by the lake and as I come in immediately, a white stork lifts off. <laughs> I had the beautiful vision of like the white stork, which is like, wow, <laughs> uh, like very, very close. Um, but a lot of them tend to not be there. So I tend to be, you know, to stay very quiet. 
Of course, I also have to do it if I'm recording sound, obviously, and not too close to the microphones. Um, some animals uh, get a bit scared with a wind jammer. So when I was working at the Wolf Rehabilitation Center, I noticed that uh, they were a bit scared with that. Uh, they can take some time. There's techniques, uh, like, for example, George Vlad, which is a field recordist that I really admire. He told me at some point that he um, sometimes... Uh, just leaves the wind jammer for some days or or something like that. So kind of the birds get used to it. So things like that. So I only have one, so I cannot really do that while I'm going to another place to record. But I just try to be very, very quiet. There's always things happening eventually. But if I'm not there, I'm also not going to know what I missed. So <laughs> patience is the key, I think. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think having not, not that fear, so you're not stressing out 24-7 of what you're missing is important. Do you think about that professionally too? Like when clients are coming in, you know, some will say yes, some will say no, some films will work out, some films won't. Do you think about your work that way too? Of like, oh, some opportunities will come, some I won't get. Or like, do you have a different kind of mentality when it comes to client work and working with other people and certain opportunities there? Hmm. I'm not working so much with film anymore. Nowadays, I don't care because of that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's actually like a way to lift it. Before, yes, I would say so. I would also measure like what I would think it was a, of obvious, like a good opportunity. Like if it was a very professional, established setup, like a good company or I don't know, maybe a good director or a good film or something that had like, of course, a couple of projects that the pay was really low or like basically symbolic. Like if I had enough time, if there was no stress or anything like that, and I thought that could be something good for me to learn something or work in a cool project that wouldn't make me mad somehow, like make me crazy because deadlines and stuff like that, then I would pick up some stuff. But but yeah, sometimes I had to refuse better opportunities because I was compromised with something else uh, that happened once in a while. I think that's that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then I'm curious uh, what the kind of like career challenges are now then if it's not so much clients because most people in our field like the main challenge they deal with is like oh clients that that is the thing i hear the most is you know finding work or dealing with the work that they already have maybe too many revisions things like that so i'm curious from your point of view considering you're doing less of that now what the challenges professionally are uh, right now i'm if i'm like field recording for me it's a very solo activity so what I do, I'm uh, recording a lot. And I've been also like kind of perfection, perfectioning uh, the work, but also in a way that suits me, makes me more happy with the results. And I can see like from project to project that I'm actually evolving a lot in a way that I care and it's important for me. And I think in the end, it will also like result in much better uh, results. <laughs> but where I was going with this... As I'm working solo, like it only concerns me. I'm trying now to be consistency with how I release my field recording album. So I'm trying to release something about every three months or so. I don't want to go longer. I also don't want to go shorter because I don't like the idea of like outputting lots of work uh, for myself. I feel it's better for me to have a very consistent, very beautiful work uh, coming out like four times a year or something like that. And I think that's quite enough for me. I have been assigning a couple of projects for film, but they are uh, from people that are my friends and that I fully, fully trust their principles and their morals. And I really don't go besides that uh, because I don't want to stress and 
And I know there's always going to be a little stress here and there, but I need to make sure that the budget is good, that the timelines are uh, reasonable, and that my work is respected. And most of all, that they don't only hire me because I'm their friend, but because they like my work and they like me and I like them. So right now I'm doing that. And I do I do some extra activities, like I edit some podcasts for, to have like a regular income. And I write articles as well. So that's something that comes and goes, but I'm trying to grab that. And uh, writing articles, it's really great because I'm writing them about my, my field, the recording. <laughs> and uh, so it's really good because I can research what I want and learn what I want and then write an article, which is something that I've been doing for some years and uh, put that into the world and then get, you know, some bucks in return. So I think this this is really perfect. And also it's a nice activity for me to be able to write something. It's cool. It's relaxed. I like that. And your articles are very good. Thank you. They're very, very good. good to hear. People love them. I love your website. It's super, super good. So sound design process. Excellent. Just change uh, the address. What is it now? Melissa Pons. Now that's my name. <laughs> oh, really good. Yeah, I wanted to do it for a while. Now I finally managed to. Awesome. Awesome. It will still redirect until like July from the sound design to that one. So it's, okay, uh, cool, cool, cool. So and then I am curious because you, you mentioned this in the email before this, like about a professional crisis. And I'm curious what that was, like what what happened? What was the deal there? Yeah, I think it was I worked for some years in production. I never hated it, but I thought like after a point, I, you know, despite like the extra hours and no one giving a crap about sound, it's like, oh, I need to change my batteries. And they're like, you have 20 seconds. <laughs> Everything that we also know, not all the productions, but like generally, you know, that sound is kind of, you know, the. I, you know, there were some professors that I had it. they call it like sound is the poor relative of, uh, of the film industry, like something like that. <laughs> so there was that but after a point I didn't feel there was like any creativity to it then I got a bit sick of that and then I was able to jump to just uh, post-production at some point well maybe I didn't uh, jump into the right projects or or you know like there comes the issues with establishing boundaries and understanding uh, like if it's a solid project or not and then like everything gets mixed like when you maybe get along with a director or the producer, but typically the director, which is typically the person I would work closely with. But then it also like typically things with not a lot of budget and first or second drama, like maybe sometimes people that have worked in uh, like smaller projects and now they're doing like their first film or something. And there's a lot of insecurity and uh, a lot of expectations as well. Many times very unrealistic in terms of what what would a, a film outcomes could be like so people have the tendency of making a first film and send it like to all the big festivals and then having to rush like a, a new cut in like two weeks and then having to adjust the sound and then wanting more and then not wanting and then not knowing what they want and like everyone knows like how how this goes and then like i get paid for a period of time like i make my budget very clearly I typically also like have an agreement and I make the producer and the director sign. Uh, but then, no, now I'm going to send it to this festival. So I'm just going to adjust this. And, uh, but we could do this and that. And, uh, you know, always wanting more and more, which I understand because it's like your project becomes your baby and you really want the best for it. And I think that 
For me, it was more a matter of I was a little bit attached to the project and, and I felt like I had a compromise of really wanting to, you know, go until the end with it because I also wanted it to be like really good sound design and eventually some films or some stuff I was actually enjoying a lot because I felt that my creativity and like all my ideas that I could put kind of freely into that which felt really really good but it comes to a point where i'm paying let's say like for two or three months and then that extends a lot more and uh, the professional crisis came in a situation like that uh, where i also understood that i was manipulated by the director which i didn't understand immediately and then there's a lot of pressure and then all of a sudden i'm working for two months without uh, getting any money and then i started to feel very resentful <laughs> about yes. the people that I work with because this is I think this is what happens like I made possible that all the boundaries that I wanted to be very firm that were crossed from both sides and then I start to feel very resentful about the person that or the people that crossed it from the other side and uh, I get very very resentful and then I'm working also a lot which also doesn't help help being exhausted all the time and then, you know, I start to have very negative feelings about the, the, the people and kind of rightfully so, because this is actually kind of a recent realization is that it's really up to us to keep our boundaries. And this is a conversation I had uh, some months ago with Nathan Moody, and we, we talked very specifically about this. And he told me this, like, we are the only people responsible for establishing our boundaries. Totally true. However, that doesn't legitimize that the other person is incorrect. And uh, something that I felt with projects that uh, this happened in a scale, big scale or small scale, is I sometimes felt guilty. And I was sort of blaming myself, like, I shouldn't have let this happen. Why did I do this? I'm so dumb. Da, da, da. And I also feel like shame and so much frustration with myself. And I kind of understand that happening because eventually, like, Obviously, it was up to me, but at the same time, I'm not actually guilty for the other person to have been incorrect in any way, because, you know, human decency, it will tell you that even if the person is letting somehow things happen, you will always try to be correct, right? So that was kind of a disappointment, you know, in regards to these other people, but what I understand is that if I really think about this and I think okay I could have done better on my part but I'm not to blame for the person to have been like you know harassing morally being unkind being unfair and so on that's eventually their problem not mine and kind of thinking that really I think it can help lift off this shame and blaming feelings because they are not on me so what I tried to do, it was, okay, this part is not my fault, but I can do better next time if I want to do it next time. Uh, okay, I can establish my boundaries and be very precise and not, not try to let like personal relationships interfere with the involvement with the project. Like that's really, it's very difficult, but really needs to be separated. But eventually what happened, the pressure was so much, I was very tired. I was, I got broke, completely broke and very exhausted. So I really burnt out. <laughs> and after, you know, maybe a year with, you know, some bad experiences where like the pattern has was like this, uh, like insecure, uh, control freaks, uh, 
and then harassing me on like context, like questioning my professionalism and stuff like that. I decided that I don't want that for me. So I want to be my own boss. And so that's uh, more like what I have been doing mostly, uh, or I'm really trying to go there because then I only have to respond to myself (laughs) and it feels really good. (laughs) That's awesome. It's yeah. And it gives me total freedom to do the projects kind of as I want. Uh, I don't control everything, of course, but at least I really have a lot more room to not mistreat myself. Like I try to treat myself well and uh, and then I don't get resentful on anyone. Like, yeah, maybe I can be a little lazy here and there, but I don't drag myself for that. (laughs) So so that was a professional crisis, but it was uh, it was really difficult, to be honest. I mean, yeah, bad clients can be soul sucking, especially if it's one after another, after another, after soul another, because you start to think that you're the problem. You start to believe, like, is it my fault? Oh, God, like it starts to get in your head. It starts to make you yeah, worry. At a certain point, yeah. That yeah. Happen, yeah. So I'm curious because you had that burnout and that sucks. That's horrible. It's a terrible feeling. Mm-hmm. What was the recovery process like? What did you do to make it so that you started to feel better and are able to go back to your work for you? Yeah, I I had a set of circumstances that was fortunate. So I had, at the time I had a roommate, she's my best friend. And every day she had the patience to hear me rant. Every time I came from work, I was like, <laughs> and that helped being able to, she was very patient because I think like for over a month, that was all I was doing. <laughs> Not entirely, but there was a lot of that. Uh, and just kind of just letting that out and uh, the fact that she was also very understandive and uh, understanding, understanding, yeah. understanding. Yeah. yeah, that also helped. Like she was also like really hearing it out and let me rant and uh, do all that. So that was a, a big help. I understand not everyone has has that. Uh, I would say that for someone that maybe doesn't have a friend or someone very close, they feel that they can have this sort of uh, ranting sessions. Uh, maybe there's communities people can reach out, uh, sound designer communities or people in the sound film community, because everyone is, uh, I think a lot of people understand that. So I think there's a very friendly place to go to. Something else that happened was try to rest as much as I can. Like, again, sleep is really, really important. Like having that that rest and then my uh, escape that I use until they say, and I think it's also part of me. And again, it's on me. <laughs> it's a part of my personality. I, I use humor a lot. So I, I was like doing a lot of satire and making fun of like these people because that really helps laughing about the situation. It kind of puts it on a different uh, plane or a different dimension. I, I've done that like even on this, there was a specific situation that after a year, I was not even in, the, in Sweden anymore, but the producer emailed me because he screwed up. He didn't back up the, the, the project, like the Pro Tools session, and they needed something. I don't know. I think he wanted me like to send the entire session or something like huge, like a feature film, huge session. And I was so tired because also they were not offering any payment for that. <laughs> I calculated it was like 20 hours uploading from where I was. So... That will be technically a day of work that I couldn't basically do something else because, you know, computer gets slow and stuff. Also, I didn't feel that I have to put like more effort for free 
into that. So I actually uh, replied as in another name, like I was my own assistant and I was extremely sarcastic, like very passive aggressive and very wit, very acid on that email. And I was having a lot of fun thinking like how confused or like angry he would be with that. That amused me. I, you can look at it as a little revenge or something like that. I don't really care because I think after, a, and like my goal was also not to uh, ruin the project or anything else, but the fact is that they actually had a solution uh, somewhere, but I think they just wanted to go the easy way and try again to get advantage of me. And I was not like, uh, sure, I will do that. Send me your invoice details. This is how much I'm going to charge. And uh, as soon as it's paid, I send it off. And they tried to <laughs> ignore that email, pretend they didn't see it. Like, are you are you uploading already? Like, they didn't even offer me a server for me to upload that to. Like, imagine. So <laughs> and uh, I, I was also just to a point that I really didn't care that, that that would ruin my reputation or whatever, because I didn't want anything. And the thing is, again, not wanting to compromise the project, and not being like a really nasty person, I, I don't defend that in at least most situations, maybe all, but at least most. But then I was like, I don't care anymore. Like, I'm not going to be abused again. <laughs> mm. So that was that. But it, it really took some time. I remember I was sitting down with my friend after many months. Uh, yeah, maybe like after 10 months or something like that. And all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I'm not angry anymore, but it's like the first time that I feel that I don't carry like this shadow on me. And this feels really good. Like it's not on me anymore. It also compensated because I had some, you know, good stuff like on personal projects happening with field recording started to go like in a really, you know, good path. And I think that also helped, but definitely venting to someone you can trust establish new goals or, or like just new guidelines for your life in that professional life or something else, also putting your mind into something else, socialized, rest. And then in my case, uh, we used humor a lot. It's so good. I, I love, 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 love hearing stories from people like you, like freelancers, people working with clients <laughs> who find a way to get out of situations with bad clients, whether it be charging them for an upload or just like quitting the project or something like that. Cause I think it's something that a lot of people don't know that they can do. Yeah. Right. It's very easy to think like, Oh, okay. Even though they're abusing me, like texting me and telling me I'm not professional, like horrible things like that. Mm -hmm. I still have to like, just hang my head and do it. But like you said, it's up to us to kind of set those boundaries and be a little firm, not necessarily nasty, but you know yeah being firm you sometimes have to push back yeah exactly and the thing is that the power is on us because we are doing the project and even if they get someone else and i had another pro smaller project that the pay was really low but they kept pushing and pushing and wanted more and then at some point they wanted me like to add the music to kind of like recompose it and i'm like whoa no no and then i had pay projects that i had to give priority of course uh, and I have been so kind uh, with them already. And uh, there was just a point that I just said, I'm sorry, I cannot do, I have big projects now. Like I cannot go further with this. So they end up having to get another person. And I like, I don't care. <laughs> and it's funny because like, I think a lot of people starting will think, you kind of hinted at this earlier, you know, people will, will think a little bit like, oh, maybe it'll ruin my reputation or maybe it'll it'll look bad or something like that. But it's funny because if I just research you, 
it's just everyone loves you. Like your, really? your articles. Yes, totally. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> you are like loved on Twitter with the sound community. Oh. Rightfully so. And it's like nobody would say like, oh, Melissa's so unprofessional. Like that your your reputation hasn't been damaged. Like even hmm. from being firm, you're still hmm. like no one's talking shit about you, which is you great. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe you have to research deeper. Maybe you have to like look, <laughs> look even further. But your professional reputation is still solid, right? It's huh. people would still trust you. People would still still like you. And I think a lot of people worry maybe too much when a client is bad that it's going to ruin everything. But clearly, it's not, right? You're still you're still doing work. You're still able to do your job. You're still and it sounds like you're doing even cooler things. You're working for you now. You're you have yeah. better kind of stronger goals and you can you can tell immediately that you're smiling and really happy about that too. <laughs> Definitely. Which is so good. So I'm curious what your goals are with that. Like now that you're a little more free, you're way less stressed probably. Yes. I'm so curious now that you have the headspace for it. What have you been thinking about? What have you been like free to do that you couldn't do before? Um, so as we started the conversation on field recording, and as it's very obvious, because I think I brighten up when I speak about that, I just, I really want to do that and like just dive in, in, into that. And I think there's some outlets, you know, this past year, the sales on my band camp, they have increased, not to a point where I can uh, already live on them. So I still do like other stuff here and there that I would rather not have to, but it's, it's not horrible. It's okay. So like, it's something that I can deal with and it's something that I don't have to do full time to support myself. So I really want to do that. And I'm also uh, starting to, I've done that on a very small scale, uh, maybe half a year ago, but I'm also, I don't record for sound effects libraries typically, but for example, now I recognize that I'm in a place that I can also do that. And it's a very different process from sound recording, uh, field recording, because I do like to record soundscapes in a very particular way to myself. But I also have that opportunity. And I'm also starting to dig back to a lot of recordings that I've done years ago. And I'm realizing that I have material for really cool sound effects, like protests in political protests in Brazil, thunders, like stuff like that. And I'm starting just like to cut them and label them really well and cutting them really specifically to use as uh, sound effects for, you know, particular uh, film. And this is a big advantage that I uh, worked with sound design. It's because I can understand what can actually be fully used or not. And so I'm very specific doing that. So I like, understand the needs of it. Uh, IDing animals that come in the way. That's also like cool. It takes a lot of time, but it's also it's, it's a nice thing to do. Uh, so that is one outlet. I have been having some tracks licensed for for a, a couple of films or um, sometimes they are played in like uh, radios or something like that and I can get a commission or something. And this, the really cool thing about this is that people come to me with this and like once in a while it's like, yeah, do you have tracks of this city and that city since you live there. And I'm like, yeah, here you go. And then I get a, a commission or, or I get paid for it. There's something that I know yet if it's going to happen, but I was invited to go to a very special place. And it's a very extremely, extremely far place. And that was very interesting because they went specifically to me because they thought that I was the right person for the job. You know, there's amazing field recordists out there that go to places where maybe like no one known has ever been at least like that we know or in the last century or something like that and I don't know 
you know, in the uh, Arctic and, you know, there's amazing work that a lot of people have done. But what I start to feel from what people tell me is that there's particularities in my work and or the way that I approach it that people find it meaningful in a way. And then uh, they ask me, like, would you be able to do this? I think your approach is the right one. So I think this will be really great if you can do it. And so these things start to happen or uh, workshops or tutoring people as well. That also uh, is starting to happen a bit. And uh, all of a sudden, it's people come to me and not, not the opposite. And this is really, really good. But it takes time, of course. But it's uh, I rely a lot on social media, so I have to be a little bit out there. Very discreet, like I don't put a lot of my personal life or, or well, almost nothing. But, but I think I've been able to create an identity of like me, myself in the work that apparently at least some people like appreciate and put value into and they find like interesting for their own projects. And my goal is that just keeps happening more and I'm able to go to more places and places that mean something to me and explore and learn and, and so on. So this is the way <laughs> uh, for me. <laughs> so I'm curious then, like with all of this, like good things are happening. I love hearing that. That's like the most exciting thing is hearing about that. How many years has it taken to get to this point where good things have started to happen? Like you started in music a while ago, you know, and then gradually transitioned to sound design, field recording, that sort of stuff. How long has that journey been? You know what? Not a lot, actually, because I think things started to go forward when I released Swedish Forest Textures, and this was in February uh, 2019. So it's just a little over a year. People like that, and uh, I was really lucky because it was picked up by Harley Brown, which is a journalist. She writes for The Guardian. She picked that up. And then all of a sudden it was like in an article, really nice article in The Guardian, along with some really great names. So like, wow. <laughs> and that's, of course, a lot of traffic into my band camp at the time. And the sales increased. And then I got like more people drawn into my work than are repeatedly buying the releases after that. And then like the Wolf Project was also like a lot of people loved it and it started to be crowdfunding by uh, around 50 people or something like that. People really like, like the idea. They really like to follow that. And it's uh, it was the most successful release so far, but it, it began to be solid. So yeah, it's not, it's, I cannot complain. It's actually a year. I don't think it's that much. It's pretty darn good. Yeah. Of course, there are years before of you studying and learning and stuff like that. But that's pretty darn good. Yeah. And I released uh, an album before, like my first album. But I think it's a nice album. But like the mix is not great. I was a bit inexperienced there. This was like 2017. So I actually having plans to rem uh, remix that. And I hope that can happen this year. <laughs> so there was a little bit there, like it was in the BBC. And uh, there was also like a producer from BBC that reached me out if I could do like a job here and there. Uh, then it didn't happen because of circumstances. But that's, I think actually it was like the first thing long time ago that I was like, okay, someone is thinking of me for doing this uh, very specific stuff. That's also very related to location. So because I was in Brazil for that time, there's so much in Brazil, <laughs> such a big country, so many things. And I think that also draw a little bit of attention. And I was lucky to be able to travel there at the time and stay for long. 
But yeah, it's not much, actually. It's not that I've been like 20 years on that trying and then something comes and it's, uh, I, can, I don't think I can complain, actually. It's a good setup you have. And now that you are in a better kind of headspace and time and all that, I'm curious, other than goals, like what do you focus just on learning for you? It could be career related. It could be sound related. It doesn't have to be. Just what are you learning right now? What do you like to learn right now? I like a lot of stuff. I'm starting uh, like a, a course in uh, sound art uh, from Colombia. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be in Spanish. Um, but I, I feel that I lack that part a little bit because my background is not arts. It's more like technical, not my academic background, but I always felt more drawn to arts. Although I'm like, it's still very blurred for me what that world is. So I'm just, you know, give it a little push with it and then try to understand what's, what it is. I really like anthropology. There's a couple of authors that I really love, and I'm starting to read about possibilities of sound ethnography. This is something that I'm diving deeply, like since it's very recent, since like one week and a, one week and a half ago, that I'm trying to go in, like reading articles about that very specifically, and I'm trying to follow uh, more precisely the work of um, of some people that I uh, really admire that done incredible work in uh, in Brazil, and that is actually my focus career wise because I like to join uh, both things. I don't like to. Or, I mean, I don't mind, but for me, it's a bit empty to just record and whatever. Uh, I like to attribute other kinds of meaning. So I um, now where I am, I'm speaking a lot with the locals because they have seen the landscape change so much and all the regional celebrations that they have and the, how they have seen things evolve, their experiences, how they live and how they relate to like the locale they are in. That for me is super fascinating. And uh, I think I try to take this with me. And yeah, besides that, of course, uh, trying to perfect my techniques more and uh, just, you know, on a very technical level and conceptual level, a little conceptual level, I think it's more based on like these other areas that I'm trying to, to join. I also want to learn a bit more about physical geography. I think it's uh, important to when you're recording uh, soundscapes. And uh, yeah, a little bit here and there. And uh, I like to learn a lot about so, so history as well, physics, uh, but it's like, it's, it's, it's so much. <laughs> it's good. I, I, that's, I think a lot of pros in any artistic field are good at learning about a bunch of different things. Yeah. So I always like hearing that. It's very rare that someone who's a professional sound person, music, whatever, thinks like, oh, I, I only learn about sound and nothing else. Like that's rare. Usually people are a little more broad than that. So I love hearing what they kind of get into. Yeah, more eclectic. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's, that's a good trait to have. So wrapping up, we're going we're gonna to do two last questions here. And you already know this one, but I'm curious how you answer it now for version two. <laughs> is when you were starting out, you can choose that starting point, whatever it may be. How did you define success and how has that changed over time? And how do you define it now? Hmm. Well, I think... It's at least a part of it hasn't changed much. I think it's uh, important to be autonomous in whatever you're doing. Have some sort of confidence, not arrogance. Always the space to learn. And it's always good to look back and like, oh, I could have done this better. It's always good to have that retrospective. It just means that there has been evolution. It's only, only good. So I think that, and uh, I don't know if I should attribute I think it's really good to be able to live off of what you really love and want to do, but 
there's been so many examples in, in history and even nowadays, like incredible artists that are either not recognized or, or maybe they have a lot of, uh, you know, social issues around them that don't allow them to uh, have their work spread out and appreciated. That happens so much. So, yeah, I don't know. But I think that's mostly like satisfaction. On I feel some sort of freedom because I can actually start to live on what I like. It's still not on a perfect level, but I really think in like, actually like looking back, like, yeah, a year ago, this was not happening and now this, you know, stuff starting to pile up and be nice. But I think it's a bit unfair. Recognition, yeah, not being on the dark. It's, uh, it's, it's great when other people that you also admire their work start to come to you, say hello, and like saying that they like your work or, or a particular side of your work or something. Yeah, it's, I never put that much thought into that success. I'm I'm really happy. Like, I put some work out there, and someone like, "Hey, I really like your track. I want to use it on my film. How much is it?" <laughs> An ideal position to be in. Yeah, super, super, yeah. super nice. So something like that. It's just mostly, I think it's like at the end of the day, that thing of like going to sleep and like, yeah, I've done my, I've done my part today. And then mostly I think a lot about one day when I'm very, very, very old, <laughs> even if things didn't go great, like professional wise, at least thinking like, at least I've tried, like at least I've done it and I've not spent like decades in angst always working on something that I hated or that I conformed about and just I really try and I spend all those hours like doing what I what I wanted because I think that's very like fulfilling other than just like yeah whatever being this job for 20 years and I don't like it but yeah retirement or like I I'm I'm very much a very personal opinion but I'm, I'm very much scared of the idea of like always just wanting the the weekend to happen and then vacation and then retirement you know, of course we live in a society that screwed us up completely and and it formed like a model of that like a run work model and, and stuff but and a lot of people don't have actually the possibility of going around it like i really want to acknowledge that most people are talking out like the 1% or the 3% or whatever. And then you know, a lot of people are kind of like subjugated in work and semi-slave conditions and others even worse. But even if it's not, it's still a little bit fragile, but I'm very happy that at least I have that freedom and I am not stuck into something that I don't like. And I'm just like waiting for the weekend. And right now we're just so wonderful to be able to wake up at like five in the morning and just like let's go record <laughs> that is so great so maybe that's a little bit of success yeah that's that is definitely it sounds like you feel like it and that's oh it's heartwarming to hear it's so good yeah so to wrap up last question where can people find you instagram twitter bandcamp website throw it all out all those my site on bandcamp is melissapons.bandcamp.com there's my four releases there. I'm counting to have a new work released by the end of June, uh, hopefully. But anyway, there's already like uh, four works there. I am on Twitter where I'm sometimes active. Sometimes I spend days that I'm just want to open it. <laughs> I just sometimes just get a bit bored or like tired of it and I don't, don't pay much attention. But I, I am there sometimes like sharing a bit of my thoughts and my process and stuff like that. On Instagram, I'm doing like sound, little sound postcards. So I just have like this one minute soundscape 
with things that I recorded that I found like really cute or, or special. So like you have like, it, okay, it's Instagram, the sound is crap, but uh, there's like a little sneak peek there. And uh, yeah, my website, melissapons.com. And then I have a lot of writings about field recording. I also have a lot of writings about sound design that I did before. I even have stuff about game audio because this was something way before. I think I have tutorials on Unreal Engine. <laughs> From a long time ago, with a disclaimer that I'm not doing there anymore, but I think like one or two tutorials of like how to implement sound or something like that. It's probably like completely outdated, but there's some stuff. I have uh, reviews of like one film or something like that. And uh, yeah, there's some articles there. I think some people could find that interesting. And my Instagram is Melissa G. Pons. And your Twitter is Melissa Pons 1? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This is so freaking good and so good to hear Thank about your you. processes and what you're working on now and your evolution too it's just amazing thank you yeah yeah i'm, I'm happy i'm not i'm not sad <laughs> <laughs> best place to be best place to be yeah. that's the end of today's episode thank you so much for listening as always and considering i work in the world of video game music and sound and so many people are always asking me how they break into that field i have a newsletter set up for you so if you want to learn how to make music and sound effects for video games and actually be paid to do it, just go to bit.ly forward slash sound biz pod, sound B-I-Z pod. And that newsletter will set you up with two free courses and a bunch of free eBooks and even sound effects. They'll get you set up and teach you how to work in the world of video game music and sound. Thanks so much. And I'll see you next time.